This has been a huge journey and a huge accomplishment in my life because I've set on this path of the podcast, of creating a podcast about a year and a half ago, almost two years or so. And my goal initially was 250 uh, interviews. And there was a brief time where I didn't even think that was possible. I was relatively negative. I, I, I didn't see the goal. I, I didn't like the content that I was producing. Um, I stopped even interviewing people because I was just so lost as a person, as an entrepreneur, as a business professional, whatever you want to want to call it. Uh, so there was a brief time where I didn't think that I would start the podcast back up again. But here I am a couple of months later uh, where I am achieving the goal of of 100. And that is just so freaking cool. And what's even more exciting is that the person that is 100 is a guy that I connected with years ago uh, about the beginning of this podcast. And he's been doing his podcast and I've been doing my podcast. So uh, it's going to be exciting. We're going to make it big. We're going to make it fun. Thank you guys again so much for just being a part of this and liking everything and subscribing and commenting. Just you guys are amazing. Uh, for more information, head over to theblindentrepreneur.com. Thank you guys again. It means a lot. On today's episode, we're going to talk about being disciplined in your business, finding your creativity, and pizza from the Bronx. Let's go. This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Today, we are on episode 100, that is 100, and I couldn't be more excited to talk to a guy that I've been chatting with through online, social media, you know, this, that, and the other for a little, about a year, maybe more now. And yeah, so I'm, ex I'm excited to talk to Luke Baird. He is the founder of Cult of Startup Podcast. Luke invites special guests to recall the early days of starting their business before reaching their success. Luke also has a consulting agency where he works with fashion brands, developing websites, and managing their social media marketing. Luke, how is your day going? Dude, today's going great. I'm down near Los Angeles. I'm taking my girlfriend to Ed Sheeran tonight. And tomorrow I'm going to a growth hack conference. So I'm flying high right now. Very cool. I mean, that's pretty exciting. Uh, Ed Sheeran's got to be a great show. Yeah, I'm stoked. It's Very an expensive cool. ticket, but I'm stoked to go see him. <laughs> Hopefully, I, I have a strong inkling that it will be worth your your investment. Yeah. So yeah. It'll make the girlfriend happy. So that's that, really fun. And that's, that sometimes <laughs> that's all that matters at the end of the day, you know? <laughs> so Luke, without further ado... I have to ask you one of the most important questions that you will be asked today, I am sure. So are you ready for an icebreaker? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So imagine you just had the absolute best day of your life. Where are you going to eat? What are you going to order in order to make your day complete? Okay. I would be in New York City. I would go to a Yankees game. Rose versus the Dodgers. I lived in New York for two years, so there's a big part of that in my heart. Dodgers win. Clayton Kershaw picks the pitches a perfect game. <laughs> then right after that, I'm going to hop on the train, go north in the Bronx, 
and I'm going to go to a pizza place that I wish was still there called Andre's, where they serve pizza that's as big as like one of those big plastic platters that you have. And they basically serve it to you on that. So your slice of pizza is like, yay big, it's huge. And then I get double mozzarella on it. That'd be nice. my perfect day. Double mozzarella was my next question. What toppings are you getting? But you answered it, so that's good. So Luke, without further ado, man, please tell us about yourself. Who are you and what is your story? Sure. So there are two aspects to me. So one is I have a media personality, which is the cult of startup. So that includes a podcast as well as a rather loyal Snapchat following. So on that, I'll have guests on the podcast from multiple industries and multiple backgrounds. But I mainly focus on that initial inception of the idea and how that got them to where they are today. And then on the Snapchat thing, I also have people take over. So upon occasion, maybe I could have somebody like you take over the Snapchat account. You could educate my audience. They could have a few questions for you, et cetera. But on the side of that, my day job basically is I run a small media agency where I do website and mobile app development as well as social media marketing, specifically within fashion brands. And that's only something that's kind of picked up within the last year where I've done fashion brands. I didn't expect myself to be in that industry, but um, I love it. Um, doing fashion and merchandising and that kind of stuff online is a fascinating thing to me now. And I sort of wake up every day excited to do it. Very cool. And I find it really interesting when um, entrepreneurs and business professionals find that particular niche that, that they just absolutely crush it in. So how did you, you said it's relatively new. How did you stumble upon this aspect of, of uh, fashion brands? So I had a company that was a, it was an LLC. There were five members and there were three and then there was one. <laughs> it was me. Um, progressively, I just bought out each partner as we were going down. And I had a really close friend who went to the same school as me who won this huge elevator competition, an elevator pitch competition in Chicago. And she kept on, I, we had miscellaneous contact for about the last three years. And it was kind of funny. We went to a, uh, an event at the school and I ran into her again. She's like, I heard that you have a company that's doing website development. Can you redo my website? Because she'd had two horrible developers work with her. Just the communication between the two. If anything needed to be changed, it would take weeks. Um, she even told me about times where this person that she had as her previous developer would be like off in Cancun for a month and wouldn't even say a word to her. Mm -hmm. So like stuff like that would happen. I was like, yeah, I could do e-commerce, I guess. So I, I kind of pushed it aside for about six months and self-educated <laughs> on the side and got to a point where I said, hey, I feel like I could adequately address your needs within this. Like I'm, I'm at a level where I'm proficient. I said, let's go. And the rest is kind of history. And it's been probably one of my main clients ever since. Very cool. And as you're figuring out what you specialize in from a, a digital marketing aspect and a, in a development aspect in websites to now the podcast, um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you stumbled across this entire entrepreneurship journey and yeah. you know, what, what does the, the future look like for, for you? Yeah. So let's see if I can do this as short as possible. So I was going to a junior college called Cuesta College in San Luis Obispo, and I was in an economics class at the time. And in that economics class, I was not doing well at all. I was doing terrible, and I, I hated economics. For some reason, I just couldn't wrap it around my head. So the teacher's like, go to this entrepreneurship road tour thing. I'll give you guys five extra credit points. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, five extra credit points. I need these. So I went to it, and I was like, I felt kind of inspired by it. And there was a guy there who was the entrepreneurship director of Cuesta College. So I sat down and talked to him and I said, hey, 
I've got this idea for an app that would help out agriculture um, and would translate Spanish to English because I'm bilingual. So I was like, I could do this. This is in my wheelhouse. So he like sat down with me and consulted with me. We did surveys with vineyards in the area and all this stuff, you know, base level customer development stuff. And he didn't even call it that, but I, at the time I didn't know that. Um, so from there he introduced me to the head people of entrepreneurship at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is a budding entrepreneurship program right now. It's grown immensely in the past few years. So I got to meet those head people who eventually introduced me to the club president of Cal Poly Entrepreneurs. So that club president is Tim Sweeney, good friend of mine. He said, hey, you should become an officer in the club. So he asked the academic advisor, hey, you know, is it okay to have a student from another college be, you know, a member on the club board? And the academic advisor is Jonathan York, great guy. He just goes, yeah, why not? You know, he's kind of one of those guys where he's sort of, you know, asked for forgiveness rather than permission personality. <laughs> so I got to be a member of the club. And from being a member of the club, I participated in a startup weekend. And we won. We were developing an app for Major League Baseball tracking where foul balls landed. So it was like, oh, I could buy my ticket in the most optimal area to catch a foul ball. Kind of a dumb idea. But we, we actually sort of wrapped it around other things like distance to the bathroom, distance to food, um, all this other cool criteria that could go into your ticket besides price. Um, and it's it's so interesting how going to that one thing eventually led me to Startup Weekend, led me to being part of an accelerator program in the area in San Luis Obispo. So they have a small little um, program there. It's, it's gotten significantly bigger. I think they're in their seventh year now. It's, it's nuts. But uh that basically allowed me to get my network. So I got into Cal Poly eventually. I became the president of Cal Poly Entrepreneurs. That business fizzled out. And from there, I went through the accelerator program again. I took some time off of school. And my last bit of school, I was like, okay, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm loving listening to podcasts. I should start one myself. So I decided to start one myself. But I, I was wise with it in the sense that I was like, maybe I could get this as part of my schoolwork. So Cal Poly, one thing that's unique about the university there is everybody does a senior project. So my senior project, I, I was an ag business major, and I didn't want to do anything in agriculture. So I, I pitched the department going, hey, if this podcast takes off and I become a big deal with this, it's going to pay dividends to you. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. You know, because, hey, Luke graduated from Cal Poly. He has this big podcast, all this kind of stuff. I was like, sweet. I don't have to do anything in one of my classes. I get to do my podcast as one of my classes. Done. So from there, I launched my podcast the last quarter of school. Um, at that point, I had bought out the business partners. I mean, there's all these other little details I can go into there, but big things now. I have a podcast. I have a media agency. And um, with the Startup Weekend stuff, I facilitate Startup Weekends around the world. So yeah, with that one, one little choice of going to the... Um, the extra credit assignment completely changed my path. Yeah, and that's interesting. So, like, when it comes to your your story, your aspect of um, you know, going from guy who had absolutely no idea what entrepreneurship was or what entailed to it to now being an entrepreneur, has there been a lot of uh, areas of of struggle? Um, and do you really genuinely believe that this was something that you were meant to do all along? Yes. So a handful of things that go into that. So things that I would say struggling, uh, team dynamics. So the first startup I was with was called Seat Reps. So that was the uh, app for Major League Baseball. 
we didn't have the right kind of talent to make the app happen. And it's interesting to see like what MLB at bats app has done now and how that's progressed. So team dynamic, I, I realized is a huge thing. We had talent for very specific verticals, but the main talent of really an app developer who got that didn't have. Um, another thing I would say is <laughs> finding somebody on your team who wants to get mark gets marketing and wants to invest in marketing. That's one thing that I, I realized with a team that we were doing apps for education. Um, doing just plain marketing without having any spend behind it gets really difficult sometimes. Um, and to expect sort of a um, you throw something out there and everybody's going to immediately like it, it doesn't work that way. You've got to slowly, progressively get your customers in, get your customers in, and find those advocates to actually grow the product. Mm. Mm. I know you had another question within there, and I, I might have slipped it. Well, yeah, I, I guess like, um, so we got the foundation that even though you were an entrepreneur in the beginning, you are, you know, this was something that, uh, let me backtrack a little bit. I believe that an entrepreneur is something that you're like, you're just born with it. It's not something that you just magically create. It's, it's innate with you. It's just either you have it or you don't, and you found it at a particular time. Yeah. So going through all of this story of using your school, making these connections, how have they launched your career? and even the startup to, to yeah. what you are today, to who yeah. you are today. Yeah, well, I would relate it back to both of my parents. So my dad worked, my dad's an attorney. He worked for about 15 years at a law firm, eventually left the law firm and became an independent mediator and arbitrator. So that's like a private judge. So he's outside of court for everything, but he's his own boss and he's done very well with that. So <clears throat> he was able to go to my baseball games growing up and stuff like that. So I kind of saw that from him like, hey, when I have a family one day, you know, if I have kids playing baseball, I want to go. Like, I want to have that freedom to go hang out with them and see them play. I don't want to have to go, hey, boss, can I leave at 3 o'clock because my son's got a game after school. That doesn't really want to – I don't want that to be part of my personality. And the other thing is my mom actually had a, a floral shop growing up. Mm. So I got to see her do sort of a side job run out of her house and see that she was able to make money doing that. So I definitely had inspirations going growing up that led me to where I am today. But it wasn't until I got in that academic setting and somebody said, hey, you can do this too. Like it's it's within reach. And I saw other people doing it. I'm like, all right. And I, I, I want to say this to just everybody in the entrepreneurship community is once you become part of it, you realize that there's sort of a like-mindedness around everybody there. Like I felt super comfortable around the entrepreneurs in San Luis Obispo. Because I was like, wow, these people are like, they're go-getters, they're fun-loving, they're here to make something happen. And like, I couldn't not get pumped up around those people. Yeah. No, that's interesting. You, you've said this a uh, couple of times already today, but the word baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you're a baseball fan. How, like, you, you started, your first, your first startup was centered around baseball. Why, what is, what is it that attracts you so much to baseball and is there a correlation between baseball and business Ooh, good question think about this for a moment okay so with baseball baseball involves a certain amount of like stoicism baseball isn't a sport where you can always be flashy like basketball or football you have those moments of like pure glory where it's fast-paced baseball's kind of slow so getting your edge is different in baseball. 
And I think business is kind of the same way, that you've got to look at the landscape of what everyone else is doing and go, hey, well, I can take my one inch here, but it's going to you know, pay off in three miles down the road. So I think that's one part of baseball that I, I really enjoy. And you got to keep your cool in baseball, too, because it's, it's a game of inches, right? So if you're not cool you know, at you know, batting and you got a pitcher throwing 95 with a ball that moves, just a slight tweak in your uh, swing changes everything. You're done. You know, that guy's got you, you know, you're done. Hmm. And, pretty, and now are you more so on the defensive side or is it more so on the offensive side? Um, you mentioned Clayton Kershaw, which obviously yeah. is a pitcher to people who may not know exactly who, who that is. Um, so is that like, are you, are you more on that? Which side? Okay. So with Clayton Kershaw specifically, when he pitches, I feel like it's an art form. The guy has got incredible accuracy and the movement he puts on a ball is just nuts. So when I watch a game, I dissect it in a different way. And that might relate to business in a way that I, when I see a business, I kind of go, well, how does this business function? You know, where's the money coming from? What, what, what people are they reaching out to to make this actually happen? So maybe there's, there's some overlap between the two. But yeah, I, I would say I, I watch baseball, like I'll, I watch probably every single Dodger game. I'm kind of nuts in that way. But, um, like I like dissect every single moment of it. Like, oh, like I can recognize good play. I I played baseball up until my senior year of high school and had the potential to play college. So it's it's just a big part of my life. I grew up going to Dodger games and stuff like that with my dad. So it's it's just something that's always been part of my life and I continue to keep it that way. And it was the main reason why I became part of that team at Startup Weekend. Because I was like, hey, I like baseball. Maybe I'll join up with you guys. Boom. <laughs> yeah, and and so we'll use a, the metaphor of striking out, right? And we'll correlate that to struggling. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's never it's never this aspect of rainbows and unicorns and sunshine and all that fun stuff. There's always that dark period. So, what were some initial struggles that you've had? <coughs> and we can speak if you can speak to both yeah. um, the the agency, the uh, the business, and then also the podcast. Okay. So with the podcast, I would say the biggest struggle was finding time to edit episodes. Um, my style is a little bit different than yours. I do long form content. So I do like hour and a half shows. So I like to sit down and just like chat with the person, chat with the person, dig deep, both story and practicality within the business. So that can be a struggle in finding a guest sometimes that's willing to devote an hour and a half of their life to it. Um, so there's that side of it. Um, getting people to market the podcast post-release. So like for you, like I would expect, hey, you know, answer at the end is, hey, Luke, it'd be awesome if you'd share this on your social media for me, you know, get some of your audience drummed up for me, vice versa. You know, like I'm, I'm totally open to that. I'm totally cool with it. But as you know, not every guest does that. So it, it ends up being kind of a little, a slight pitfall. But there's that side of it. Um, and in business, so one thing that I, I would recommend to anybody who's starting a business you need to have a key person be the head decision maker and let them sort of control or call the shots. So when I was part of other businesses and we all had sort of equal equity, it kind of made decision making really hard. Because, well, what about this or what about this? Or you'd have things where like, well, so-and-so is a developer. They should be paid more versus the business person. Like you have these kind of weird friction things that occur. Um, and since buying out the people that I was working with, they're great guys, and I love them. They're going to be friends for the rest of my life. But I've noticed that having somebody at the helm to sort of facilitate where things should go um, is helpful. 
So I, I, leadership does make a lot of sense in a startup. And that's interesting that you've not only been able to buy your uh, your partners out or find a way to, to amend, but you said that you're, you're friends with them. I mean, how has that process been like for you? It's been great. I actually, um, so one of them, I have a product that's being built right now for a cleaning company. It's a web product. And I emailed it off to my buddy going, hey, could you look at the code that I had written for this? You know, he was an original founder within the company. I trust his opinion on it. I mean, he's working at like a, he's working at like GoDaddy now. So he's a legit dude and he knows web development coding because he's doing stuff for them within that realm. So I, I think that relationship, and oftentimes we'll go get coffee. I know most of the time whenever I mention, mention them, they're like, hey, when are we going to hang out? When are we going to go do something? So we're still buddies. So I, I would not say that we had a, a breaking up <laughs> sort of thing. You're like, I don't want to be around you at all. It was, it was them wanting to actually go get internships at one point. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if you guys want to go get internships, I'd be more than happy to buy you out. You know, I was an ag business major. I realized that the upside of going to work in the, the ag industry wasn't going to be as high as I had hoped. So I said, well, let's, let me just do this. So I bought him out and, you know, I landed that fashion client like two months afterwards and then I've got a couple of other ones working here and there. So it, it panned out really well. So no, not wood, of course. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and, and thank you for being that transparent with us. I mean, that means a lot. You're, um, when it comes to social media marketing or marketing in general, even design, I'm sure design is a huge part of your business. Yeah. Um, what are some things that you see within your clients that are working really well that we could possibly take away for our businesses that we're, uh, that we're, that we have? Certainly. So the number one thing I've seen, and if anybody hasn't read the book, uh, Jab, Jab, Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk, it's a little bit outdated maybe now, but the principle of content, content, content sale, which is the jab, 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 right hook is still true to today. So constantly be putting out content that is about experiences, things that people like, things that people share. Um, I had one episode where um, I encourage everybody to listen to this. It was Cameron Manwaring. If anybody has ever heard of Devin Supertramp, he's got probably north of 6 million YouTube subscribers. He does these extreme videos, but he was his producer. And he talked all about creating content that's shareable. So if I go out and I post for this fashion client, Hey, here's our new shirt. You should buy it. Okay. People are going to turn that off. Like if I were to do that to you, you're going to be like, all right, that's like, you know, maybe walking into a retail store and somebody putting it right in front of your face. You should buy this. You're not going to look at it like that. You're going to walk in and go, Hey, this shirt's going to look good when I go to the beach or it's going to look good when I go out and have this. So sell them that experience. Don't sell them that product. Mm-hmm. And how are you using those same methods for, you know, that like, is there any additional examples that you could, that you could give, um, maybe like personal things that you're doing with the podcast or et cetera? Yeah, certainly. So let's see an example. I'll say just in general is if you look at, and this is outside of my own stuff, but GoPro, when you think of GoPro, people think, Oh, it's action. It's adventure. It's outdoors. It's really crisp picture or something like that. You don't think, you know, little tiny camera made in China, right? Like you just don't think that aspect. You always think, wow, this is all about experiences. So um, this, this one client, she's specifically within the rodeo space. So we actually have a thing now where we have like advocates for the brand. 
So they're like big time rodeo finalists within the high school realm. And they actually have, they're between the ages of like 13 and 17. And they're advocates. So we actually take their experiences and share them on our platform. And people really like that. They're like, oh, Kelsey so-and-so, she's important. She does this, this, and this. That's awesome that this brand is supporting her and her her goals. Or we'll do things like, um, this one client, she lives on a big ranch. She'll do like a video outside of her own rodeo rig she has at her house. You know, just a video of that. That's sharing an experience. It's not sharing a product. It's an experience. Hmm. Now, if, if, um, if we're listening to this and we're like, holy crap, getting your getting influencers and things like that um and documenting and bringing them a part of the the, the process yeah. is is important what are some things that we might be able to do without actually having a ton of resources or a ton of um you know dollars to to for, to advertise and things of that nature so i would never underestimate sending people free product like send them free product and see if they do something with it and don't expect any result from them. Uh, a great example of this is uh, Siphon Sound, one of my most recent podcast guests, which is like a, a sound wrap that you stick into like your motocross helmet. And he said, yeah, I just sent these things off to all these big-time bikers. And they, some of them shared it. Mm. You know, if, if your cost, if you can absorb that cost a little bit, sure. And, you know, leave a friendly note saying, hey, you know, this is so-and-so from this company. We have these cool products. We'd like to have you check them out. You know, if you end up sharing on social media, that'd be awesome. Either way, it's free product for you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. you know, sort of leave it to that. No need to dive in and be like, can we have a contract for this? You know, we'll have a, a commission-based thing for every unit you sell. Keep it casual, and it works. You know, people are like, if somebody sent me a free, you know, like a, a bottle like this, I'd probably put it on my Snapchat or something like that. Yeah, totally. Like, hey, thank you so-and-so. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, free is the best four-letter F word. So I yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I like heard it that way, but I, I... <laughs> <laughs> look. We're gonna change the the for, uh, the questions a little bit. You know, we have a good understanding of who you are as a business professional. Mm-hmm. We learned a whole lot, but I'd like to hear a little bit more about who you are as a person. So, uh, you mentioned the, the amount of fun that you have, the things that are important, uh, listening to music, going to baseball games, etc. But what are some habits that have helped you? become more efficient throughout your day? Okay, so number one is I use Trello like no other. So anytime a client says, hey, here's a request or something like that, my immediate immediate inclination is copy and paste that email, text message, or whatever it is into Trello and make it a task. And I have mine set up very simply. So it's basically pre, working on, and complete. That's it. So if you know, I get an email saying, hey, <clears throat> We need to add um, new product to the website. I put it in pre. Okay, new product comes in. I get all the photos. Now I'm working on it. All right, working on it. I can put notes on it, et cetera. Move it over, done. And then I have another one on the side, which is like old stuff, but I keep it simple. I don't need to have any more detail than that. Um, Other productive things. I have actually become a big fan of hot yoga. I totally dig it. Um, I used to be a certified personal trainer at one point. That was kind of actually another intro to entrepreneurship because most um, personal trainers are very, um, they're all independent contractors a lot of the time. But um, I do that two or three times a week. It's a great way to sort of just detox and forget about everything. I get to be away from my phone, which is kind of nice. So it's not on me. (laughs) 
because I'm constantly getting emails and stuff. Let's see, what else? Um, I see another thing that's sort of a production hack for me, at least within the podcast, is I listen to other people's podcasts. Like I'm constantly trying to find new podcasts and listen to them and figure out what they're they're doing to optimize their kind of content. And I have a quick example of this. So there's a company called Cricket Media, and they're sort of a, a left-wing podcast. But one nuanced thing I've noticed that they do is that their ad copy is unreal. It's hilarious. Most of the time with an ad copy, I'm more apt to skip over it, but I don't skip over theirs. You know, and I, I didn't notice that until I got kind of partway into listening to their episodes. Well, they're entertaining with this. Where some people are just boring. It's like, and if you listen to my podcast at the very beginning, it's like, hey, welcome to Cult of Startup, brought to you by audible.com. If you go to Audible right now, you can get a free thing. Like, that's boring. Nobody's going to listen to it. So I need to go in there and take my own advice, you know, like the GoPro stuff and go share some sort of experience, make it more tongue in cheek, make it more fun. Hmm. That's interesting. And, and you feel as if that, that aspect of just being different in how you present yourself is allowing you to achieve the optimal you know, amount of success. Yeah, I, I agree. Or at least noticing the nuances that are out there and trying to figure out how I can maybe incorporate that into what I'm doing. Cause I don't want to, you know, mirror their exact style, but I've got some stuff that I'm working on with my sponsors that I want to edit a little bit how I present it. Okay. Now that you mentioned Trello and Trello being such a, a great resource, but is there any, are there any other resources that you use every single day that you can't live without? Ooh. Okay. Product hunt is a big resource for me, both in the sense that it's a huge distraction but also that I can find great material on it. So if anybody who is founding a company and is looking for quality, somewhat even rated products, go to Product Hunt and also get involved in the community on Product Hunt. Oh, and one other thing that I would say has been a huge help for me and underestimated is Facebook groups. Facebook groups are awesome. And now that they have the search capability in a Facebook group, you know, dive into that stuff. So like I, I'm part of a couple Shopify groups and I can search in there. Like we had an issue with our inventory management at one point and I just went to the Shopify group. It's got 20,000 members. There's thousands of posts in there and it is typed in the search bar inventory management and it up popped all these posts that people had had and similar questions that I had had and similar resources and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, boom, I could have paid a consultant for that. But guess what? I got it all for free. Hmm. Now, I'm curious to see, like, uh, uh, with with Facebook groups, are you looking at it from more of less like a uh, answering your questions thing, or are you more so looking at it from like a client, like new client perspective? Uh, like, am I prospecting out of it, like trying to find somebody to work with? Uh, I haven't explored that realm of it, to be honest. I've, I've mainly been on the education side of it. But as I've gotten more and more familiar with it, I'll comment on certain people's questions. Mm. So I'll go, hey, you know, I actually had this, I saw this issue. So being involved in the community first for me was what I wanted to do. I didn't want to jump into it and go, you know, that's sort of like the jab, 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 right hook. It's I wanted to get into it and do content, 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 and get a name for myself within the group. Then I could start, you know, swinging my bat and actually get somebody as a client. Gotcha. That's, that's smart. And, and honestly, a lot of people, it. I, I feel like there's a overarching theme here and it relates exactly to baseball is that you're very disciplined because the 
the the first reaction for someone when they're trying to meet somebody new or when they're trying to go into a group is to sell. Yeah. And selling is great. It works well, but you have to be able to maybe stay in there with, with a couple of months, you know, create the value, comment a little bit. And then when you actually want to comment because everybody knows who you are already and you provide so much value, then you can come in with your ask. Um, so it's not exactly, I think you're right in the jab, 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 right hook method is the book is outdated to some degree. However, the, the core aspect of what the, the book it means is, yeah, you know, has never been more prevalent. Yeah, definitely. The last question, the main question, at least I have, maybe we might stem from additional questions outside of this <laughs> is the blind entrepreneur. This podcast was created for individuals who may be temporarily blind in business. They may not be able to see the obvious. They may be stuck in a particular head space. So to those individuals, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? Okay. One, get out there and network. Um, look on meetup.com or find Facebook groups. So if you're in an area, often, you know, Hoboken, Idaho or something like that, nobody's around. Um, the internet can solve a lot of that. So develop a network. Number two, develop a skill set. Find something that you can sort of go an inch wide and a mile deep on so that you're, you're able to insert yourself into a certain equation for somebody and develop around that. So for me, like, I, I myself am not a developer. So I said, okay, well, maybe I could insert myself as a person who could manage a developer. So I learned a little bit of code and I learned about managing developers. Now I have people that I've outsourced to and I manage them. So pick up a skill set, something like that, you know, social media, whatever it may be. Um, and last one, <laughs> trying to give a unique one. Allow yourself some time to be creative. Like find some time around the week or the day or whatever it is to do something creative, whether that's creating a design, listening to some music, producing some music, something that's kind of creative that at least puts your mind in a situation that might be a little bit more difficult than like, you know, welcome a discomforting situation. Maybe I should say, what, what is your creative moment? What, what is that thing for you? Um, I would say for me, it's writing. So writing, you know, whether it's writing like a blog post or something like that. Um, I don't share a ton of my own personal content, but I'll sit down and I'll write something be like, Hey, I have all these thoughts about, you know, what Apple's doing right now, boom, or what Snapchat's doing right now. I'll write down those kind of things. And it enhances my overall writing by doing so. So it's a little difficult for me because I'm not the speediest writer, but it, it enables me to do that. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, that's good stuff. Um, you know, Luke, without, you successfully completed the podcast. <laughs> and for it to be number 100, um, I couldn't be more happy to share it and experience it with you. So thank you so much for, for joining. Um, if, if you can, just go right ahead, look into the camera, tell us a little bit about how people can follow you, uh, follow you. How can they be a part of your mission? How can they be yeah. a part of the journey, potentially a client, and even listen uh, or subscribe to the podcast? Certainly. So you can reach me at my email which is lukehbayard at gmail.com. So shoot me a message there if you'd like. But if you want to find me on social media, I'm at Cult of Startup on basically all the platforms. But I am most active on Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook, and Twitter, I guess, as well. 
But those, any of those four platforms you can find me at. Um, I'm easy to reach. If you shoot me a message, I'm going to get back to you within the first 24 hours, no problem. Very cool. Very subscribe cool. to the show too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, speaking of that, every every link, everything that you just mentioned will be in the show notes for everybody to to click on and to subscribe and and read. Um, but to those people who are still watching and listening, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing, and allowing me the opportunity to uh, achieve 100 uh, interviews. And I'm excited for 100 more. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. Uh, for more interviews, head over to theblindentrepreneur.com. Luke, again, thank you so much for your time. Until next time, everyone, have a great rest of your day and an even better tomorrow. Thank you so much for watching this video. Don't forget to follow me on any and all social media platforms using the long last name above, followed by the letter J. If you want to get lost into the dark abyss of YouTube, click either left or right for another video. And finally, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. No, seriously, don't forget.